everybody, it is Becky here, and welcome to a Happy Project Throwback. Pretty much, we're just introducing classic episodes that we really like, and we thought it was about time they got to see the sun again. This week's episode is uh, What is the Mongolian Blue Spot? If you might remember this one, this is from some time ago, but it was really a popular one, and we got a lot of really interesting messages from listeners about this mysterious vanishing blue mark that appears on Korean children, and maybe not just Korean children, but uh, kids from all over the world, and there does seem to be some connecting point to why they might be born with this mysterious vanishing Mongolian blue spot. Take a listen. If you have seen photos of Mongolia, you will know that um, they're very famous for just the wide open space and just that endless, clear, gorgeous blue sky. Have you seen pictures? Welcome to the Happy Project Podcast. I'm Cedric Skysetti, your host, and my co-host, Becky, sitting to my left. And we are so happy that you guys are joining us today, whether you're listening or watching on YouTube. We're very excited because we have a fun show and very interesting show today. And I learned a lot that I had no idea about. And so we're going to get into that. So we're super excited. Yes. And uh, I like our new setup. I think people are probably wondering like whoa is this a whole new thing sorry my papers are flying all over the place uh yeah, yeah but i like it i think it's really cozy you know yeah it's in development i think we um i don't know we're trying out something new yeah and so i mean don't get too used to it for those of you guys that are watching uh but yeah it's, it's it's quite nice yeah we're just kind of shaking things up and this is one way that we're doing it well, uh, as Cedric so um, vaguely said, we have a cool topic for you today. And actually, so before um, I reveal what it is to people, did you have any idea at all about anything of this topic? Zero. Zero, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was quite a surprise for me as well to do the research. Actually, I had heard about this um, and it's all it's all very like, random you know and so it's kind of weird how it culminates here on the podcast doing all this research and being like whoa that's what it actually is right so i will now i will now give it away we are talking about a birthmark that is called the mongolian blue spot and probably they're the first thing that comes to mind when you hear mongolian blue spot i mean what what would you think um well, I mean, I don't know if it's fair for me to answer that now because I, I know what it is. Pretend you don't know anything. <laughs> Mongolian blue spot. I would have imagined that it is a some sort of a genetically passed down feature that Mongolians, the ethnic group Mongolians, mm. would share. That's That's what I would have guessed. Right. And actually, that's what I thought it was this whole time. So I'm going to tell you guys a quick story. Let me tell you a quick story um, about how I first learned about the Mongolian blue spot. I actually have a friend who's Mongolian. And I don't know if she listens to this podcast, but uh, she and I met in university. And I remember that she was talking about the Mongolian blue spot. I have no idea how we got on the topic. (laughs) But she was (laughs) saying like, oh, yeah, all Mongolian children are born with a blue spot. And she was said, it's on your butt. Everyone has a blue spot when you're born on your butt. 
Right. And she said it's like a piece of the sky because if you have seen photos of Mongolia, you'll know that um, they're very famous for just the wide open space and just that endless, clear, gorgeous blue sky. Have you seen pictures? I have actually. Well, researching for the show. Right. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's yeah, it's stunning. And we so, don't see that here in Korea. No, no, with the fine dust and all of that. So Mongolia uh, is very famous for the big, gorgeous blue skies. And so I, I think actually they have like a celestial um, god or goddess that uh, traditionally they had worshipped who lived up in the sky. And so having that blue spot on mm-hmm. the, her, their bum, this is what she was telling me, is actually a sign that you have a bit of a sky in you because all Mongolian children oh. are part of this great country, this great big blue sky country, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very beautiful kind of folklore tale, you know? Yeah. It sounds really nice to think like, wow, like I'm so part of this country that I even have some of the sky in me. It's a beautiful story. Yes. And uh, we're going to shatter that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, I, you know, I have a question. What about those Mongolian kids who are not born with it? Which is probably a low percentage. Right. I uh, Do they not have the sky in them? I have no idea. But we are going to assuage those fears as we come to realize that though it's called the Mongolian blue spot, it's not actually synonymous with Mongolian people. You made the point earlier. You said ethnic group Mongolia. Yeah. Why did you make that separation? Uh, well, because, well, I'm I'm very cautious when I when I talk about people groups, and I want to make sure that I can make a clear distinction because you know I don't want to get into to muddy waters, and mm-hmm. so I just want to make it clear that when I say Mongolians, I'm talking about the the people group, the specific right. group. Though I do know that um, the word Mongolian or Mongols can have a different meaning, especially in history. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you look back at it and we'll get a bit more into this. Um, So when we're using the term Mongolian on this podcast, and there might also be a couple of other archaic terms, terms that have been phased out for the better. Yeah. um, They might crop up on this podcast and we're using it in more of a historical kind of mindset not necessarily to offend so it's more just for educational purposes so just 100%. bear that in mind as we're going through this podcast so we're going to talk about the mongolian blue spot as it's very commonly known and it actually has a proper scientific name and can you pronounce it uh it is wh- i'm gonna what throw is you it? under the bus yeah it's um melan melanogite or something like that <laughs> what Mel- melanite where did you find that? That's not at all what I oh, found. Oh, no? Oh. I was like, wow, he's going to go off the top of his head. <laughs> no, I really actually researched memory. this. Hold on. Yeah. Uh, this, I know there's a longer form, and then the, the shorter form has the word melanin in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, but maybe you're referring to a different scientific word. Yeah. I was really like surprised if you had memorized this. <laughs> uh, I practiced it a few times, but I don't know how this is going to come out. Okay. Uh, congenital dermal melanocytosis okay see that's what i was trying to say okay that's what i was trying to say the last one right yeah congenital dermal melanocytosis Mm -hmm. is actually the scientific term for the blue spot mongolian blue spot and it's called that but in fact it actually can appear in different shades of color it's not always blue sometimes it's like really dark blue or it can be gray gray blue even dark brown depending on where it's found not on the body but like geographically worldwide in which ethnic groups it can appear basically it's a type of birthmark 
that um, is, let's say, let's simplify it for now, has been found on many Asian children, Mm -hmm. especially Mongolian and Korean, actually. Um, The blue spot, children will be born with it and it'll be usually on their buttocks or their lower back, even as high as their shoulder. And it starts to fade away and then it will disappear by the time you're five or uh, even up to puberty. And then it'll just vanish. It's like this vanishing birthmark that kids are born with. And if you're trying to understand what it looks like, it's kind of like, it looks like a big bruise. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have, yeah, you pulled it up here. Yeah. I have a picture of it. And it's a a baby actually with, it's a pretty big bruise or bruise looking spot on uh, the baby's backside. But, um, you know, I feel like, Normally, it's probably a little smaller than what I'm seeing here pictured. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it depends on the baby. Yeah. Well, I heard in Korea, they'll call it like the blue fleck, Mongolian fleck, which Mm -hmm. obviously signifies something a little bit smaller. But yeah, it looks looks like a giant bruise. Like if I had just punched you and then you got a big bruise, it looks very similar to that. Right. Yeah. So I imagine it can be a bit scary for some first time parents who had never seen this before. Mm -hmm. So there's no health risk to it. Um, there's, it's not a deformity by any means. And like we said, it, it disappears after some time. So then what's significant about it? That's a good question. I mean, I, I guess depending on the perspective that you have, that you hold with the the Mongolian spot, because like with some, they have the folklore, Mm -hmm. you know, and sort of the, I guess the theories behind it, which isn't necessarily rooted in science. Right. (laughs) Or not rooted in science at all. Yeah. Um, But then you have the significance of the history of it and how it was coined and who it derived from. So you have that. And then uh, you, of course you have the science and what it really is, which is, I think, where we're going to pretty much end up. Yeah. That was yeah. a very succinct summary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's how I kind of compartmentalized it in my head. Mm. I mean, because it, depending on who you are, because I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who still hold just those, uh, I, I don't want to say false views, but just they have that folklore in their head or maybe just a story that they heard from their parents or grandparents passed down. And this is what the Mongolian spot is or whatever you call it in your own culture. Yeah. And you just kind of, believe it to be true well it's not necessarily harmful i no, think no 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 um then let's start with the folklore stuff because i okay. think that would be a very interesting launching point for everybody mm-hmm. so the the kind of the story goes if you're in mongolia that is that Genghis khan or Genghis khan however you pronounce his name when he was born he was born not breathing and so the doctor who birthed him just spanked his bottom so hard smacked his booty it left a big bruise and then as he grew older you know the bruise mm-hmm. disappeared but then it appeared on his children and then the children's children and so people were saying oh this is a mark that signifies you're an ancestor of Genghis Khan so this is kind of one story right of it uh, did you find other folklore? I mean there's there's the so in the the Korean side mm. um, so there is what what is the name of the god it's uh, uh, right San, Sanshim Harmony, mm-hmm. right? Samshin Harmony or Samshin Harmony. Right, right. And so I think that is where the baby's in the womb and this uh, this god-like harmony. It's like a shaman spirit. Right, right. S- spanks it out of the womb or something <laughs> like that. And it has a blue spot. Just like, oh, get out of there. 
Yeah, so I think I'm, I've never actually heard this in my life. Oh, Samshin Hai Mi? Yeah, I've never heard of it, but apparently it's still a thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they really believe it these days. I think, but it's, it's, still, yeah, I think it's more just it's a cute little story to yeah, tell. Yeah, it's not, kind of fun to talk about. This being slapped by a spirit in the womb is um, it's a kind of common thing, actually. If you look in some other countries, they will also believe that. And depending on which culture is looking at the the Mongolian blue spot, it can signify different things. So, for example, uh, in Kyrgyzstan, it signifies like um, a goddess has left her mark to protect you from evil. Mm-hmm. This was this is one thing that I'd found. And then um, in which which culture was this one? I'm not sure where I found it. But in, there were some other places where they'll believe it's like, oh, it's a sign that you've been touched by some heavenly powers. You know, it can mean happiness. You were slapped. <laughs> Always slapped, right? <laughs> Those spirits, <laughs> like, they're pretty vicious. Yeah. Slapped by a spirit as a kind of like, uh, it's like a blessing, you know? Or also, for example, uh, patronage of the heavens, the sky for Mongolia, right? Right. And so uh, there's there's all of those kind of like folklore bits found here and there, depending on which culture you're looking at. And this was one that was really weird that I found. Apparently, there was a researcher, and I wrote out his name. I think it's Adil Korzabayev from mm-hmm. Kazakhstan. And he believed that this was a sign that humans once mated with aliens. So, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't want to even begin to. He imagine was he what was saying means. like this is this is like uh, the alien bloods is still running in us. This is what he was believing. But as far as I can tell, he's the only one who believes that. Uh, unless right. one of you guys do, in which case, please write in. We'd love to hear from you. But um, yeah, now we keep calling it the Mongolian blue spot, the Mongolian blue spot. But in fact, it's actually found quite prevalently around the world yeah yeah and other people groups even in uh what to my surprise even in african-americans because typically um or i should say uh in in black people african uh descendants Mm -hmm. um yeah even even some of them would tend to have it you know probably not in the same percentage of numbers Uh, but even then, and the reason why I didn't know that was the case is because obviously the, there's more melanin, a little bit darker. So I didn't know if, you know, the same rules applied. Um, but yeah, so even, even in, uh, blacks, you have uh, native Americans and even in some percentage of Caucasians as well. Very small percentage. Yeah. But this is, as we have found out that it's closely tied to mostly has to do with melanin. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're born or it, it, it develops, I assume, in the womb because it's birthmark and then it's like under a certain layer of the skin. It's just the right. collection of some uh, melanin cells under your skin. So, of course, there's no health risk. It fades away after time. But this is why it's not so common in white kids who are born or more fair skinned kids. So actually, uh, yeah, so it can be found in like Mongolia, East, South, Southeast Asian, uh Central Asia, indigenous, Oceanians, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Polynesians, Africa, Amerindians, some Latin Americans, uh, even Turkey, right? And a question I had was, is this common in mixed kids? And I think that it's just, it it seems to, there doesn't seem to be like any significant study on this. Yeah. You know, I couldn't really find anything. Did you have a blue butt when you were born? You know, I'm not sure. I feel like I should ask my mom that. Mm. That would be a very interesting question. Yeah. I bet you did. Uh, maybe. 
I don't know. I, I feel like my mom would have reminded me of it. Reminded you? Yeah. Like, oh, oh Cedric, you... don't forget. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you were born with a blue butt. But, uh, I mean, I do have a birthmark. Yeah. But it never went away. So the thing is with the Mongolian spot, uh, most of it goes away after mm-hmm. a certain period of time mm-hmm. when you're a kid. But for me, I still have this birthmark. So I think that's different. Yeah, that's a different thing. I feel thing. like that would be different. Yeah. You should ask. Mm-hmm. I will ask. Yeah, was- you will ask my mom. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> She'll be like, hmm, okay. Maybe, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if you had some form. Right. I mean, and I'm thinking about my niece as well. Mm-hmm. I, if I remember correctly, she has a birthmark. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe it was pink mm. or is pink if she still has it. So I'm not it's sure. Probably not. Probably not this one then. Yeah, a yeah, kind exactly. Of birthmark. Well, we mentioned that it is seen in many people around the world even some like inuit groups right like way up in greenland for example mm-hmm. and uh how did the name then come to be i think we should break down the etymology of the term mongolian blue spot because uh, this is very significant to i think kind of understanding how to address this yeah yeah so you want to go with that yeah let's let's do it i mean so uh it's it started with and i'm sure you have the notes of the name but it started with a german uh what was he as an anthropologist Anthropologist. right so um and i believe he spent time in japan yeah and he would notice that in the the little babies that were born that a high percentage of them had this Mm. blue spot which was not named at that point and um he was the one that coined the term mongolian spot but uh at the time mongolian as or mongols as an ethnic group didn't exist as we know it today right so the way he used it was more of a categorical description of really the asian people group because the way they uh the way back a little over 100 200 years ago the way they started to categorize and construct race Mm uh was more based on physical location and also physical features Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really based or rooted in science per se, uh, which is why a lot of people say that race is a social construct. Mm-hmm. And I get that. Uh, but yeah, so so this uh, this guy, he basically coined the term uh, based off of the Asian, I guess, category yeah. of race and used the term Mongol or Mongolian to signify like all of Asia mm-hmm. or Asians or people with Asian features. Right. Which has since then... Um, I think decades ago that was pretty much ruled out as yeah. you don't want to use that term to describe Asian. That's right. If you look up the term uh, Mongolian and not to describe the ethnic group, you're going to see this is a archaic term now. Mm-hmm. People don't use it. And it, it actually was used even to describe medical terms. Did you know actually they used to use the term Mongol or Mongoloid to describe kids with Down syndrome, yeah. which I thought was really terrible. But right. thankfully that has changed obviously but let me just fill in some of the the holes there in your description which was very well said so the german anthropologist you're talking about his name was erwin baltz i guess how would you pronounce that would erwin 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 that's not my german that was very good uh erwin baltz so it was in the 1880s and he was the physician to the emperor meiji and Mm. the imperial households Mm -hmm. and so 
he actually his kids were half japanese actually so um at the time he was living in japan and yeah you're right he noticed the spots on the babies that he was taking care of because you know he's a physician and anthropologist and so this is where he was like ah I should give it a name. So he did give it the name and he called it uh, Mongolian Spots. And this was using the classification system that was created by not him, but Johann Blumenbach, who was another German physician anthropologist. And he's the guy who created that classification system. So when we use the words like Caucasian, um, what other terms do you use? It's honestly, I feel a little bit like hesitant to even say it, right. but I feel that it could be good for people to at least understand where it's coming from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, history is a little muddy and dirty, mm-hmm. you know, and this is one of the, I guess, aspects of history that right. doesn't, you know, when we look back today, it doesn't really have a good, uh, I guess, memory of sure yeah sure. how they used to look at people and classify people but you can't you can't just like wipe over that mm-hmm. you know yeah i mean as long as we put our put in our disclaimer and obviously you guys that are listening and watching you sh- you I, we would hope that you know that mm-hmm. no, we're not <laughs> we <don't>, yeah <laughs> we're not trying to go out of here using racial slurs no 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 so it was johan uh, blumenbach in 1775 he had this book called on the natural variety of mankind which was extremely various obviously since he only made five categories to describe Mm -hmm. every single person on the planet and the five categories uh, simply put was caucasian to describe white people malayan to describe brown people ethiopian to describe black people american for red people mongolian for yellow so this is how he basically broke it down and there will be other terms that he would use like mongolian mongoloid you know and like kind of um i guess like bits like that using words basically it was broken down into those five parts right and so because it was um erwin baltz was seeing this blue spot on the japanese children he was like oh this must be like an asian thing but he called of course a mongolian thing Mm -hmm. so mongolian blue spot and you're right at the time mongolia didn't even exist as a country it was still part of the Qing dynasty so that's how the term kind of came to be but then it stuck Mm-hmm. And I really have to wonder how or why it was just so perpetuated, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because even modern day uh, physicians, even or mm, people or who deliver babies, or, yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> you know, I read an article, I believe we read the same article where uh, they made the mention of, uh, I guess, a person who was delivering babies that knew of the term, but didn't really know where it came from, yeah. just knew that that was the thing. Yeah. yeah, so um, it's it's still around. Even in the West, mm-hmm. it's, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to just keep it going on, especially when you have this very strong folklore imagery of Chinggis Khan who went and pillaged and plundered and raped so many people in places, right. like from China to Persia, like all over, even up to Europe. And uh, so there's so many descendants of Genghis Khan running around still today. You might be a descendant. I might. I might be a descendant. Oh, no. Yeah. And so like, I think they say like 8% of Asian population is mm. somehow related to Genghis Khan. Dang. So he was, <laughs> crazy. he was a very busy guy. One man. I know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> very busy guy. So, um, so it's very easy to, to kind of fall into that idea. Like, yeah. oh, well, yeah, if you had the blue spot, it's because you're related to Chinggis Khan, which in a way is kind of like 
cute and exciting mm-hmm. like, oh he was my great 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 grandfather but unfortunately that is not true and they did see these spots even um with like i like i said like inuit people and so at the time 1880s right so Erwin Baltz, he first noticed it and then he he uh sent his research to berlin in 1901 so that was the first time it hit europe and people were like whoa and then it was also seen in 1770s by name by a guy named hans oh no i'm gonna butcher this i'm so sorry hans igid sabye <laughs> that was pretty good sounded very natural to me <laughs> oh, oh man uh he was a danish priest and botanist and he saw these on babies that he was helping uh to help birth in greenland with the inuit people so then this all the way up in greenland and so this is when he noticed that as well and then in 1849 there was another danish guy daniel friedrich eskrit eskrit should have looked this up Mm -hmm. he was a doctor in copenhagen and he also saw children uh he called them mixed babies and i don't really know with what race or ethnicity Mm -hmm. but these babies that were being delivered he also saw it there so you can see that people were making note of this and actually through time um it's very medically well documented yeah you'll find lots of mention of the mongolian blue spot or the cognital dermal melanocytis that's probably congenital dermal melanocytosis oh wow i don't know where my words went but we can see that this has been happening all over the world with uh prevalently in some Mm -hmm. specific groups uh interestingly korea there was a report that came out in 2014 Mm -hmm. and um they reported they did almost two they checked almost 2000 babies over the span of this this research and they found that the mongolian blue spot was seen in 97 percent of the babies right so it's it's it was kind of to prove something i don't know what but just to say like wow korea also has blue butts right right (laughs) i mean i think to that point uh probably a lot of koreans who understand that uh you know they are not exclusive but they as a people group they most of them have blue butts. It's sort of a sign of, you know what, you're purely Korean. You ah, know? It's yeah. a it's a it's a way to just sort of reinforce that nationalistic slash ethnic I don't want to say superiority no, type no, of mindset. But it's it's like pride. Yeah, it's a it's a ethnic pride and I think a lot of people um who kind of subscribe to the whole, you know, I guess uh, blue butt. <laughs> <laughs> Do you subscribe to this philosophy? Uh, to the blue butt philosophy. Uh-huh. I, I feel like that's, it sort of reinforces, um, I guess, their idea of being Korean. Right. It's it's kind of a s- belonging thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's almost, I don't know. Uh, it's obviously more rooted in science than what they would like to believe mm-hmm. but i think that is one way that rein- it's it's it can be a good thing for national pride and being proud of yourself but it can also be a little exclusive too exclusive huh i suppose so i think it you know i think we have this capability and by we i mean every human on this planet to have some capability to make the in crowd and the out crowd. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether it's because you like eating at In-N-Out or you have a blue butt 
or you prefer Yankee candles over anything else. Mm -hmm. If there is a majority that exists, then the minority will always be the out crowd. That's a good point. Yeah. That is a very good point. So I don't think it's necessarily because you have a blue butt that makes anything special, but it's because you're part of the majority. Right. Right. Uh, I want to know if I had one. I'm very curious. How about this? You ask your mom, I'll ask mine. Okay. And we'll, Fair enough. we'll see what they say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have pictures. You know, I have a lot of naked baby pictures. Oh. But I don't know if there's any exposing my butt. Oh, so it's just full frontal nudity. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but I'll double check. I'll confirm for you guys. Oh, okay. He's going <laughs> to share it. <laughs> I don't mind sharing it. Oh. Yeah, I haven't I've even a, seen I, that. I've got a couple in my computer. Okay. So. Well, if people ask. Uh, so if you have any kids and you think that maybe they have some kind of birthmark similar to what we are describing, we'd love to know. Yeah. It'd be very interesting, especially if your kids are mixed. I think that's something I'm quite curious to know. Like, um, do, is, is it more likely or less likely? Does it really have to do with quote unquote genetic purity um, to see when this spot appears? Mm -hmm. So I'd be very, very interested to know that. And I know some of our listeners have kids. So yeah, if your kids are under five, you should take a look. <laughs> and let us know because I'm I, I'm really curious to see if that's common with mixed kids. Yeah, that would be very fun to see. Yeah, I mean, don't send photos, but um, you could just tell us. <laughs> so before we wrap up, I do have some listener mail. This came in. Uh, it's called a response to why hip hop is a different story. If you didn't listen to that episode i highly recommend it honestly that one was one of my favorites so far yeah mine too mine too and it was uh man, definitely worth a listen yeah a lot of nuggets in there it was really fun to research and record so this one came from chris kim and he says dear becky and cedric i am loving the podcast i am a korean american writing to you from the united states as podcast hosts, I feel as though you all have been able to strike a magnificent balance by being authentic, open-minded, and empathetic on the topics you touch on and to the interviewees in your podcast. Ooh, magnificent balance. Those are pretty <laughs> strong words. Thank you, Chris. Personally, you all have inspired me to analyze my Korean identity when much of my life as a Korean American has been trying to suppress it. So thank you. I wanted to respond to your latest episode on why hip-hop is a different story. I really enjoyed the episode given its relevance in these very tumultuous times for black African Americans. I appreciated specifically your comment, Cedric, on calling out the K-pop industry on appropriation. I do think that the K-pop industry, as well as individual artists, should be doing more to address the origins of hip-hop and rightfully paying homage to by respecting and acknowledging the cultural element to what hip-hop represents. Yes, it is a music genre, but as you both address the origins of hip-hop and its cultural legacy imprint specifically on the U.S., but also globally, transcends its designation as solely a genre of music. As a fan of Korean hip-hop myself, I am constantly trying to stay aware of auditory and visual styles that emulate American hip-hop. As Cedric pointed out, I think Zico, uh, Zico, an artist whose style I do love, is a perfect example of this cultural ignorance and appropriation of hip-hop culture. I ended up watching the music video of Tough Cookie, <laughs> and he was indeed sporting a jacket with the Confederate flag, yeah. most likely out of ignorance. However, the first time I was caught off guard with his videos was when he had his hair and dreadlocks in his Bermuda Triangle music video. I'm not sure if this is talked about in Korea, but non-black individuals who have dreadlocks for stylistic and or social gain purposes, in other words, not natural dreadlocks, can be seen as appropriating black culture. And he sent us uh, an essay link to explain more about that. And we'll definitely read that. 
Yeah. This is all to say that I'm very glad that you have both touched on the topic of Korean hip hop. I do think individual artists like Tiko, as well as the K-pop industry as a whole, needs to do better in addressing their borrowing or taking of other cultural signifiers, especially as the Korean music entertainment industries have been making their way to the mainstream global stage. I hope the Happy Project podcast can use its platform to leverage its influence over listeners and better shape aspects of the larger music entertainment industry. Hopeful, I know, but y'all are that good. Peace and love, Chris. Man, Chris, thank you so much for that. That was very well thought out, mm-hmm. very well put as well. Yeah. And uh, very encouraging. Mm. Yeah, it lets us know that we're on the right track. And uh, with that episode specifically, Becky and I, we really put in a lot of hours of just not only researching, but just making sure that uh, we can articulate everything that we needed to talk about in a way that uh, would resonate with everyone. And you really had to catch me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I couldn't call myself a hip-hop fan by any means. No, but I'm very proud of you because you got into it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I really, I Yeah. I think uh, I didn't, I don't yet quite like connect on that very like visceral level. Yeah, yeah. You know, but um I can really appreciate it. It's like you can sense, you can feel compassion for another person even if you haven't been through that situation, right? Yeah, of course. I feel like it's kind of like, that's just my weak metaphor for it. But I'm still learning. And Chris, thank you so much for that mail. That was really, really encouraging. Yeah. And um, you did a great job writing out your thoughts. And so we're really encouraging you as well as you're exploring more about your identity and what does it mean to be Korean? What does it mean to be Korean American? And what does it look like for you? So if you want to write into us, you can always send us mail at thehalfyproject at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast anywhere that you listen to it, as well as the YouTube channel, The Halfway Project. And uh, follow us on Instagram if you want to see more photos and stories of what's going on behind the scenes in the daily life in The Halfway Project team. And I guess that's it. Do you want to close us out? Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. And we are The Happy Project.